Hi everyone, welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of The Horse. Tonight's topic is protecting horses from sunburn and photosensitivity, and the event is sponsored by Kinetic Event. If you joined us tonight, it's safe to guess that you have a horse that's sensitive to the sun. He's probably a paint or a pinto, if I had to guess, or maybe he's an Appaloosa or a POA, a Cremello or Perlino, or a horse that just happens to have a lot of flashy chrome. I have one of those too. He's a big, bald-faced quarter horse who refuses to keep his fly mask on and protect his nose from sunburn. We're joined tonight by Dr. Rose Nolan Walston and Dr. Nicole Shearer, who are both from the University of Pennsylvania's School of Veterinary Medicine's New Bolton Center. Dr. Nolan Walston is a board-certified internal medicine specialist, and Dr. Shearer's area of interest is equine ophthalmology. Welcome, doctors. Thanks, Thanks so for having us. Dr. Nolan Walston, uh, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about what kind of sun-related issues you deal with as an internal medicine specialist? So I'm uh, lucky or unlucky, depending on how you see it, is seeing mostly referral cases. So it's my colleagues in the field, the um, ambulatory veterinarians who drive out in their trucks and come and look at your horses, who are seeing most of the basic sunburn cases. And the cases that I see are actually the scarier ones, the animals that have photosensitization, either from a problem with their liver or a drug reaction. And most of the time, again, my colleagues in the field are pretty good at picking these up. And often they'll have run some tests and already know that there's a liver problem by the time they send it in to me. So, um, so that's probably the biggest thing that I see is liver-related photosensitization from the sun. Okay. Uh, and Dr. Shearer, uh, you spent a lot of time looking at eyes. So you're seeing the squamous cell carcinomas and other things that happen. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience dealing with sun damage around the horse's eye? Yeah, obviously the horses were, uh, we see most often are those that are lightly pigmented, um, either have white hair around the eyes or sometimes just really pink eyes. Um, and like you said, squamous cell carcinoma is a cancer that we deal with uh, that is associated with exposure to UV light. And then another disease, uveitis, um, is also worsened by UV light. So those are kind of the two main things that we worry about. Okay. So everyone who's tuned in tonight live, I want to do a quick review of our Ask the Horse Live format. We'll be starting with the questions that everyone submitted during registration. If you have a question you'd like to ask live or would like a clarification on something that the doctors have said, you can go ahead and enter it in the chat window in front of you if you've joined us via GoToWebinar on your computer. We're going to do our best to get to as many of your questions as possible. Um, and also we have, um, with Dr. Shear and uh, Dr. Nolan Walston on the line, we have a lot of ground we can cover as far as the eyes and the skin and also uh, disease in the horses. So think about those. Go ahead and send your questions in and we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, Dr. Nolan Walston, Marion Washington wants to know, uh, what is the difference between sunburn and photosensitivity? Because they're two words that are often uh, we talk about together. Absolutely. It's a good question to start with. Let's define some terms. So sunburn, the sun emits UV light and UV radiation, 
and skin is sensitive to that. Obviously, the cells in the skin can literally be damaged by these UV rays, and unpigmented skin is the most likely to be damaged. So I'm a redhead, I have really pale skin, and I sunburn really easily. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me, it just means that I don't have a lot of pigment in my skin to protect me from those UV rays. And we see the same thing in horses. Um, photosensitization is a whole different ball game. It means that the horse's skin, either because of a problem with its liver and a buildup of, of abnormal pigments in the skin, or sometimes a drug reaction, or sometimes even a, a genetic problem, becomes really sensitive to those rays in the skin and the sun. And these pigments in the skin actually magnify the burning effects of the sun. So instead of getting regular sunburn, where you're just out in the really hot sun in the highest point of the sun in the day, you know, around about noon, early afternoon, just little tiny bits of sun can cause blistering and peeling. Um. So now that we know the difference between these two conditions, um, I want to dive into our next question. Uh, we have two questions coming up that we've received uh, several questions like them during registration, um, and that is how do you keep your fly masks and UV sheets on your horses that have sun sensitivity um, or sunburn easily? And I want to go ahead and ask the audience to chime in because my guess is you guys are out in the field managing horses like this um, and you might have some tips for us. So go ahead, if you uh, have some suggestions for everyone, go ahead and enter that in your chat box if you're listening with us uh, via your computer. Let's start with Dr. Shearer, Christina in Texas asks, do you have any helpful hints to get my Cremello to leave his mask on please. Uh, so the ones that I find um, the first thing to try that I find easiest at home is make sure you have a good mask. Um, some of them, if they're, especially if they're flimsy, uh, they tend to kind of fold in. And I think when they're, if they're hitting their eyes, obviously they are going to be more inclined to try to remove it. Um, if you have a nice mask and there's still trying to take it off, um, I'll take a breakaway halter and just put the halter over the mask. And I'm able to keep a lot of them on just by doing that. Uh, for the really tricky horses that are persistent, um, I have had a couple people that have actually sewed the mask to the halter. And that's, uh, that's fixed all the really challenging ones that I've seen. And Dr. Nolan Wilson, uh, Shea in Sanger, Texas, wanted to know how do you keep the UV fly sheet on a horse? She says, I've wasted lots of money on them. <laughs> we were actually just chatting about this before our live broadcast, and um, Dr. Shea had the best idea I've heard yet, which is that SmartPak has a 10-year guarantee on their fly sheet. So there's no perfect way to keep a sunscreen sheet off a horse. If they're determined to get it off, they're going to get it off. But the upside of the SmartPak solution is that if they tear it to shreds on your fence, they'll send you a new one for free. Okay. Um, we have a response from Sally in our live audience on the fly mask, and she says she puts a leather halter on that fits as tightly as possible uh, over the mask to help keep that fly mask on her horse. Um, let's go ahead and jump into our next question, and it's for Dr. Shearer. And Kathleen in South Carolina says, it's clear that pink-skinned horses are more sun-sensitive than others, but isn't sunburn a concern for all horses without shelter? And can dark-skinned horses 
also get sunburn? And can dark skin get photosensitivity? Um, so a kind of a couple parts to this question. Um, obviously, always you know a horse should have access to shelter um not just uh because of you know they need blocking from the sun but also from the elements um but just kind of looking at the sun protection aspect of it um really we rarely see um kind of the uh, sun-induced cancers that i deal with in pigmented skinned horses and i think that's because when horses have pigment in their skin they have melanin in the top layer of their skin, which is called the epidermis. And that melanin actually acts to protect the rest of the skin from UV light exposure. Um, it's also been shown that horses with pig, or people with pigmented skin um, do a better job at removing damaged skin cells uh, than people without pigmented skin. So they probably not only block the UV light better, but they also do a better job at removing those abnormal cells if there is any type of sunburn. So not saying that they do not get any sunburn if they were out on a really bright day and they had nowhere to hide to from the sun, then yes, it's definitely possible, but it's much uh, less likely than a horse with pink skin. Okay. Uh, Dr. Nolan Walston, we have a question for you from Kathy in our live audience. Kathy says, horses with pink skin who are out in the pasture the majority of time, should they wear protective wear such as a fly mask and or fly sheet even during the fall and winter months? Really, the biggest time to worry is during the summer. So it's the length of the the length of the sunlight hours, which is obviously longer in the summer, but it's also how close the sun is to the earth. And so in the summer, obviously the earth is closer to the sun and the strength of those UV light is greater. So I would say that unless you have a horse that's really sensitive, focus on the summertime. Okay. Um we have a question for you, Dr. Shearer, and it's from Amanda in our live audience. And she wants to know what you can do to prevent sunburn on a horse's lips and below the nostrils. She says that long nose fly masks won't cover the area on her horse. Yeah, no, I can imagine that. Um, that's definitely an area where um, sunblock or zinc oxide may come into play. Um, it's a hard area to protect because that's what they're constantly using to pick up grass. So it's also going to be the area that they're most likely to rub sunblock off of. Of. Um, the zinc oxide I really like because it's thicker, it tends to stay on better, but I don't know that I have a uh, fix-all solution for that area. So when you recommend zinc oxide, are you usually just like diaper cream from the drugstore? Um, are there any that, that seem to work the best? Yeah, that's what I usually use. Um, I've used desitin before. It seems to work pretty well. As long as it's nice and thick, um, I like to see an actual layer on the horses. Um, and then, you know, you maybe are a little bit more hopeful that it'll last most of the day. Um, but for those horses where, you know, they're, they basically, you are not able to protect them, another option is trying to switch turnout around if they, you know, do part in the stall part out so that they can go out at night. Okay. Um, we have a question for you, Dr. Nolan Walston, um, from, that we received via email, and specifically, what plants are associated with photosensitivity? Well, there are a couple of different types of plants that we see causing photosensitivity. 
The first is a primary photosensitivity. And so there are some plants, and probably the most common or famous of those is St. John's wort. So St. John's wort became pretty popular in the 90s. It's a, um, it's a treatment for mild depression in people, but it's actually a weed that grows around in certain parts of the country. And when horses uh, eat something that has St. John's wort or some of these primary photosensitizations um, agents, bishop's weed, spring parsley, things like that, uh, it enters into the horse's circulation and then it ends up, the little pigments from these plants end up lodging in the skin. And when the animal is exposed to ultraviolet light, when it's out in the sun, it actually causes burning. Um, so that's the first sort of plant that does that, and that's probably the rarest. And occasionally, as well as plants, we'll see horses that get primary photosensitization from drugs, uh, things like oxytetracycline, which is used a lot to treat anaplasma and botanic horse fever, and then even sulfonamides like SMZ antibiotics, which are probably the most common antibiotics that people have around. So that's a real rare side effect of those. Um, but probably the more common one that we see is called secondary photosensitization. And this is simply um, due to liver failure. So when the horse eats grass or any other green leafed um, plant, they ingest a lot of chlorophyll, which is obviously what gives the plant the green color. And the gut switches that chlorophyll into a metabolite called phyloerythrin. And this phyloerythrin goes through the blood, and the liver should clean it up and spit it out to the biliary tree and dump it into the intestines where it just gets excreted without any problems. But when the liver starts to fail, that phyloerythrin builds up in the skin and causes phototoxicity, so causes this hypersensitivity to sunlight. And so these horses will start off by having sunburn on their nose and sometimes on their ears and their white legs. And when it gets really bad, the photosensitization will actually occur on the pigmented skin as well. So it starts off on the pale skin, but can, can actually affect their ears. And so the plants that we're looking at there don't cause photosensitization all by themselves, but they cause liver damage. And we're think, talking about things like pyrolysine alkaloids, like ragwort, um, Altaic clover, which is the clover with the kind of long stems. You can look it up on the internet and see pictures of it everywhere. Uh, and then another kind of plant that has been associated with liver damage is actually something called microcystis, which is a type of blue-green algae. And some of you guys may have your horses on blue-green algae supplements. Sometimes they're used for horses with bad feet. And all of those supplements should be tested for this toxin, microcystis, that can cause liver problems and photosensitization. But there has actually been one case of a horse developing um, liver failure from a blue-green algae supplement. So. This is just kind of one more, one more thing. Just be really, really careful thinking about the supplements you put your horses on. Those are probably the biggies. So St. John's wort, uh, bishop's weed, spring parsley, and then all of the plants that damage the liver, especially things like ragwort. Okay. So we have a question from our live audience, uh, Dr. Nolan Walston. Uh, it's from Lisa, and she is uh, citing one of the articles that we shared on the horse uh, that covered a study that showed that alfalfa can increase photosensitivity. Uh, in the article, the horses were fed an all alfalfa diet. So in the study, they were fed an all alfalfa all alfalfa diet. She wants to know if alfalfa has been studied when only a flake is given per day. And so I'm not sure if you're familiar with that study off the top of your head, Dr. Nolan yeah. Walston, but. You know, one of the biggest areas where horses have fed a lot of alfalfa is out west, a place like California where it's the most, um, 
it's the most efficient form of forage to feed horses. And the other thing about California is there's an awful lot of sun. So I think that if an, even an all alfalfa diet was a big problem for photosensitization, I think we probably know about it by now. So I wouldn't spend a single moment worrying about feeding your horse a flake of alfalfa a day unless your horse has liver damage. And the thing about alfalfa is it's really high in protein. And one of the things that your liver does is kind of deals with proteins and detoxifies them. So if your horse has liver damage, probably better to stay away from the high protein diets and get onto a high carb diet. But otherwise, I would say absolutely go for it. If alfalfa is the right food for your horse, don't let worries about photosensitization stop you from feeding it. Um, we have a, a question from Lisa in the live audience for you, Dr. Shearer. Uh, she says she has a paint horse with a bald face, but he has uh, black rings around, or her, she has black rings around her eyes. Does this minimize the danger of sunburn to the eyes? And you mentioned some of the cancers earlier that can be associated with that. Yeah, and actually we love when we see horses that have uh, pigmented areas around their eyes um, because even if we have horses that have pigmentation over some of their eyelid and then pink areas over the other um, part of their eyelid, we really only see the UV light associated cancers form in the pink areas. That's how well the pigmented skin protects um, from these cancers. And so, yeah, I would definitely count your horse very lucky. Um, there's still obviously, uh, you know, she has pink areas around her face where you still have to protect her from sunlight, um, but it makes it much easier when the actual eyelids are pigmented because that's such a huge site for cancer to occur. So, Dr. Shear, that horse of mine that I mentioned, my quarter horse with the bald face, he has black pigment around both of his eyes, um, and his face is bald, and then it, it's narrow at the top and then goes wide over his nose, but he has a blue chip or a partial blue eye in one eye, even though the white doesn't extend over that, uh, is a horse that has uh, some blue in their eye more likely to suffer from sun issues in, in their right. eyes? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, I have never seen that, and it's also never been reported in the literature. So I don't think that there's any association with having problems um, just because the eye is blue. Um, what you do have to watch out for is generally horses that have white faces but have the black around their eyes will still have very pink tissue directly around their eyes. So their third eyelid, which is in the inside corner of their eye, and then the conjunctiva or all that pink tissue that kind of surrounds the eye itself, um, those tissues are still at a really high risk of developing cancer associated with UV light. So we still like to have them in UV light fly masks to protect those tissues. Uh, Dr. Nolan Wilson, we have a question from Lisa in North Dakota, and she said that she has heard that sun can cause issues with gray horses, such as melanoma. Is it only a concern with gray horses with pink skin? So can you talk to us a little bit about melanoma and how it forms in horses and whether that's associated with sun and being a gray horse? Absolutely. So I'm going to come back to the fact that I'm a redhead and my dermatologist checks me um, every year for signs of melanoma because having pale skin um, as a human uh, puts you at a really high risk for melanoma if you get out into the sun. And so it's reasonable to extrapolate that to horses. But actually, it turns out that's one of the few times that horses and humans are really different. 
because as far as I know, melanomas in horses really don't have any association with sun. What they do have an association is with the gene that causes the graying of hair coat in horses. So, you know, horses are born bay or black or chestnut, and then horses that have this graying gene lose the melanin in their hair follicles and they end up graying over time. And so a horse that has that gene for gray hair also has the gene for melanomas. And they don't tend to be the scary melanomas that humans get that metastasize through the body and, and are fatal. Most of the time, they just cause big, ugly lumps under the horse's tail and sometimes around the throat latch um, and sometimes around the eyes. But it's not sun-related and it's not nearly as scary. Um, my old dentist, my old horse dentist when I was a student at University of Georgia used to say that these things come in threes. If you have a gray horse and it has a butt, it has melanomas under its tail on its butt. <laughs> so that's probably the biggest association with melanoma in horses is being, being gray, but nothing to do with, with light. And occasionally we'll see dogs, dark colored horses get melanomas and they tend to be the scariest sort, like a malignant melanoma. But as far as I know, those aren't associated with um, unassociated with sun either. So keep a sigh of relief. Your horse doesn't need to visit its dermatologist once a year to get checked with melanomas, even if it has pale skin. Yeah. So if you had a gray horse, though, that had, was a pinto-colored horse or, or paint uh, that was gray and then grayed over time, that horse then could be more susceptible to the UV issues around their face, like if they had a, a bald face before they went gray. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But interestingly enough, in horses, the cancer that we see associated with pale skin and sun is a squamous cell carcinoma. So it's those pink, fleshy mm -hmm. um, looking lesions that you'll see on the horse's sheath or around their eyes and not the big, gray, lumpy ones you see under the tail. Okay. I think that that helps clear that up. Uh, quite a bit. Dr. Shear, we have a question for you uh, from Bethany in California. And Bethany says she had a halflinger with a squamous cell carcinoma in her eye. The ophthalmologist said they are common in halflinger eyes and that the breed should always wear a fly mask to protect them from UV light. Um, but the skin isn't pink. So why do we see sun issues in uh, halflingers around their eyes? Yeah, so there, her vet is definitely uh, right. We do see them more commonly in halflingers, and that's actually been shown recently in a study. Um, and the most recently, they've actually found a gene associated with squamous cell carcinoma, in particular in that outside corner of the eye um, in halflingers. So we know that not only is it associated with UV light, it's also associated with genetics in specifically halflinger horses. And, and that's squamous cell carcinoma in general. It's not one particular thing that's causing this cancer. It's definitely multifactorial. So there's a bunch of different things that are causing this cancer to occur. Um, the other interesting thing about halflingers is our average age that we see um, squamous cell carcinoma in just your average horse is around 13 years old. And we see it in halflingers at a younger age. Uh, the average age is around nine years old. So we think that's something to do with kind of the genetic side of uh, the halflingers in particular. So when I think of a halflinger's coloring, I think of a, a, like a Belgian draft horse. Uh, are they also susceptible to um, eye issues 
related yeah. to UV light? Yeah, so in general, both halflingers and Belgians kind of typically have the pink um, tissue around their eye. And so I think because of that pink tissue, uh, both of those breeds we see more often with squamous cell. Um, in a study that we did here at University of Pennsylvania, um, we had a uh, increased number of Belgians um, as well as halflingers. So um, we saw more Belgians with squamous cell than we see kind of on a normal basis in the hospital. Um, so those are both breeds that we really worry about squamous cell carcinoma around the eye. And I mean, we've touched on the squamous cell carcinoma, but Dr. Shear, can you explain to us a little bit about that cancer and what it is and what it looks like? Yeah, so um, it's a cancer that can occur really anywhere on the skin in the body, um, but it's much more likely to occur. Uh, we see it around the eyes, and sometimes we'll see it around the genital areas as well. Um, and then occasionally we'll see it on the face, um, generally areas that aren't uh, haired, uh, so kind of the nose, um, sometimes you know some thin-haired areas will get it as well. But so basically the skin areas that aren't very well protected um, from the UV light. And in general, they can vary in size, shape, um, but they're generally always pink and they look a little bit ulcerated. Um, and generally there's some discharge from them. So that's one of the first signs that we kind of owners are able to see when we have um, that cancer is they'll have a little bit of mucus associated with it. Um, and sometimes you won't even notice the pink, you know, kind of the pink mass at first. You'll just, the horse will just have a little bit of discharge from one eye. Uh, generally, it's not clear discharge. It'll be a little bit um, thicker, a little bit mucusy, um, and that's very typical of that cancer. Uh, Dr. Rose or Dr. Nolan Walston, uh, we have a question from uh, Jenny in Florida, and she says sunburns are painful when I get one. If my horse has a sunburn, should I give him butyrbanamine for the pain? Absolutely. So uh, you're completely right. They are painful. And some of these horses that get sunburned, especially on their nose or around their head, are clearly uncomfortable. They get a little head shy. They don't want to put the halter on just because it brushes over their nose. They can be a little uncomfortable being ridden. Um, Butanamine are both terrific drugs. They're anti-inflammatories and they're analgesics. They reduce pain. Uh, but like every drug that's strong enough to do good, it's strong enough to do harm. And so I would just suggest that if you're going to use butabanamine in your horse, just make sure that you double check with your veterinarian first. It doesn't need to be for every um, use. But before you start using it, just make sure that your veterinarian thinks that your horse is healthy enough for butabanamine because they, they do things like they can worsen gastric ulcers. And for horses that have kidney problems, they can be bad for their kidneys. Um, some of the other things that you can do is just if it's not on the horse's face, you can give the horse a nice cooling bath. Um, you can use a little aloe vera gel on the muzzle if that's sore. And then a little bit later, some moisturizer. Um, but if your horse has a really bad burn, probably the most important thing is just to make sure you keep them out of the sun for the next few days and let it heal. Maybe turn out at night for a week or so until it's all better and all the peeling and blistering has stopped if it got that bad. So if your horse is burnt and you do go and 
want to give it butyrbanamine. If it wasn't a burn and it was actually photosensitization, um, could you cause additional problems for your horse by giving them that butyrbanamine without talking to your vet? Oh, that is a really good question. Okay, so let's say that it turns out you're wrong. Your horse didn't just have a sunburn, but really it's got a bad liver disease, um, and that's why it's got this sunburn. Probably a single dose of butobanamine isn't going to make a big difference one way or the other. So if you do it, and that's what it turned out to be, you wouldn't need to beat yourself up over this. But here's where you would be wrong, is if you treat it again and again and again without calling your veterinarian and, and getting it looked into. So... If your horse stays out, it's a particularly hot day, they've got a pink nose and they get burned once, give them a dose of butylbanamine if your veterinarian feels it's safe for your particular horse. But if this is happening more than once, stop, call your vet, get a really good physical exam done, blood work if your vet recommends it, and then take it from there. Dr. Scheer, uh, we have a question from Kimberly in our live audience, and she wants to know if there's a brand of human sunscreen you would suggest. She has a Gypsy Vanner with a white face, and she uses an SPF mask, but she's wondering if sunscreen under would help as well. Yeah, um, depending on what mask you have, um, the masks actually do a much much better job at protecting from the sun than sunscreen will. Um, the problem with sunscreen, and this is the same problem that we deal with with sunscreen, is that you have to re reapply every two hours. So unless your horse is just going out for a short period of time, um, even the really high SPF um, sunscreens, that doesn't mean that they last all day. That just means that they're blocking out more UV light. Um, so really, the SPF max out at about um, SPF 45, which um, it blocks, I think, close to 98% of uh, UVB rays. And the many of the masks that we have, my favorite mask actually blocks 99.5% of UV light. So I think if you have a good mask, you don't need to worry about um, putting sunscreen on underneath the mask, too. So, Dr. Sher, we have a follow-up question from Sally in our live audience, and she wants to know if masks that claim to be UV blocking actually protect better than the ones without that claim, and is that regulated at all? Yeah, so you have to be really careful. Um, I think if you are buying a mask and it says UV blocking, but it does not give you an exact percentage of the UV light that's blocked, then don't believe it. Um, a lot of those ones that are UV blocking will be very low levels of UV blocking that really aren't probably doing it you know, much to help your horse. Um, most of the ones that you buy at tack shops um, are fairly low UV light blocking. I think the highest one that's there is usually around 70%. Um, and I think that's what the casual mask is. Uh, there are a few online um, that are much higher. And I usually recommend for lightly pigmented horses, um, something greater than 90% UV light protection. So do those fly masks with that much UV protection and uh, make it so that the horse can't see as well with the mask on? Yeah, so um, it's a great question. I have put the mask on my head quite a bit um, and you're actually able to see fairly well through it and once the horse has it on for a little while they seem to adjust quite well. Um, that being said, ideally if they have a mask on like that it would be nice to be able to remove it at night. Um, 
However, um, I'm definitely one of those owners where that doesn't always happen. And my horse wears it at night all the time and he's perfectly fine. So I think horses um, have quite good, uh, quite good vision and are good at adjusting to um, a, a fly mask with a high UV light protection. Uh, Dr. Sher, we have a question from Jen in Kentucky, and she wants to know if equine-specific sunscreens come in varying SPFs, like human sunscreens, and if so, what would you recommend? Yeah, and, and that's a tough question, um, and one that I wasn't able to find a good answer for when I looked into the equine sunscreens. Um, a lot of them don't have uh, SPFs even listed on the bottles. Um, so the one that I was able to find was an SPF 30, um, but I couldn't find a good, I have not been convinced that there's anything equine specific about those, except for maybe they're just a little bit more for sensitive skin. Um, so maybe your horse is a little bit less likely to have a reaction to them. But that being said, there are plenty of human sunscreens that are made solely for people with sensitive skins. So anytime when you're trying a sunscreen on your horse, I usually recommend that you just put it on a small area at first, make sure they're not going to have any reaction to that area. Um, just like people um, that we definitely have horses out there that are more sensitive than others. But I don't think that I can strongly recommend an equine specific sunscreen. Um, we have a question for uh, Dr. Nolan Walston and it's from Hannah in Kentucky. And Hannah says some of our fields become inundated with clover every year with only side effect being a few drooly horses. I've read that clover can cause photosensitivity and liver damage, should I keep my horses off these clover-filled fields? Uh, how can I tell if one is affected by it? Oh, all right then, back to the whole clover thing. So we see a lot of those drooly horses um, in our area as well. Uh, it's probably the most, um, most common plant reaction we see. And here's what's actually kind of neat. Here's just a little bit of kind of cocktail party information for you. Um, so it turns out it's not the clover itself. It's actually a little fungus that lives on the clover that causes this particular problem. And the fungus, um, it's called rhizoctonia, produces a toxin who has this fabulous name called slafronine, which sounds like slobbering. But so anyway, it's this slafronine that causes the slobbering and the horses to spit everywhere, but it's nothing related to the clover that causes liver damage and photosensitization. So the clover that we're most worried about is a clover called alphaic clover. And um, even the red clover it can also do it, but it's probably the alphaic that we're most worried about. And alphaic clover, um, it looks pretty similar to the other clovers. It has these little... Um, three leaves on it. Um, it doesn't have those hairy stems, it has smooth stems, and it doesn't have the little crescents in the leaflets. So some of the red and white clovers have little white crescents in it. Uh, but if you're not sure, you could always have someone from the, your um, county's extension office, the agricultural extension office, come out and take a look and see whether you have outside clover or the happy red or white clover and that's one you should be concerned about. It also tends to be kind of stemmier compared to a regular clover. So even if you do have some outside clover, horses don't like it very much. And so if you have good posture and there's good quality grass around there, horses will usually preferentially eat the grass and they won't cause that much problem to the outside clover. But yeah, I still recommend if it's in your field, you know, get it out of there. And uh, and the guys at your 
your county extension office are totally the right people to ask in how to identify it and then how to get rid of it. We have a, another question for you, Dr. Nolan Walston. It's from Susan in Gardnerville, Nevada. And she said, how concerned do I need to be about my horse's slightly elevated liver enzymes? So can you explain to us a little bit, uh, Doctor, what that means to have elevated liver enzymes and if she should be concerned for her horse? Absolutely. All right, then. So, um, gosh, I teach this course to veterinary students every year, <laughs> and it's, it's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting thing, this, this business of liver enzymes. So there are kind of three flavors of blood tests that we do for the liver in horses. Um, the first is we test for things called cytosolic enzymes. So the cytosol is the juice within the liver cells. And so if you have something that's really toxic and the cells start bursting, some of those cytosolic liver enzymes will pop up in the blood. And so if you're looking at your horse's blood work, those are tests, things like um, AST and SDH. Um, but then the next one is we have uh, some enzymes like GGT, which are produced when the liver gets backed up. And so the liver has a whole bunch of little tubules in it that pours bile out into the horse's intestines, helps them you know, digest their food. And when those bile ducts start getting blocked up or sluggish, the GGT goes up. And then finally, the last thing we look at with liver, and this is the most important, and this is kind of where I'm getting to my point, is the liver function test. So a horse can have increased liver enzymes and nothing really bad is happening. But there are some blood tests that we can run that say really clearly, is the liver doing its job to detoxify the blood? And the basic one of those that pops up on tests is called bilirubin. But if your vet is worried, the test that we usually run is something called bile acids. And that really has a, has a good way of saying, is the liver really functioning? So to wrap it all up, it kind of depends which liver enzyme and how high it is, and how long it's been increased. So what I would say is if it's one of the less exciting ones, like GGT, and it's up just a little bit, I usually recommend checking again in a week or two. Um, if it's one of the ones that shows that the liver is actually being damaged, one of those cytosolic enzymes like AST or SDH, I would probably go walking around and try and work out what's going on with that liver. So I would say, what sort of toxins could the horse have got into? Does it have an exposure to liver toxic plants like the pyrolysine alkaloids? Um, has it been exposed to other sorts of toxins like herbicides or pesticides? And eventually I'd probably go in there and get a liver biopsy. And that's something that you know, oftentimes a vet in the field can't do, but a vet in a veterinary hospital can. It's a pretty low risk test that gives you a lot of information. So that's a really long answer to say it depends. It depends on which <laughs> enzyme and how high and how long it's been. But at the very least, I'd probably recheck it in a month. So does this liver damage that can lead to photosensitivity, is it something that happens acutely, like all of a sudden, or is there a buildup over time of exposure that then makes the horse sick? So what usually happens is the horse eats, let's say, the ragweed, which is um, you know, a, a liver toxin, and nothing happens, and 5% of the liver is damaged, and nothing happens, and 10% of the liver is damaged, and the horse still isn't showing any signs, and then 20, and then 30, and then 40, and then 50. And once you start getting up to 60 or 70% of the liver not working, all of a sudden the horse will start showing signs of, say, photosensitization or weight loss 
or yellow pigment around its eyes and um, on its gums. And for the owner, it looks really sudden, but you can't tell just by that. Sometimes it's a chronic disease, and finally it's that last little bit of liver damage that's the straw that breaks the camel's back, and you start seeing signs. Dr. Shear, we have a question for you. It's from Leah in Anchorage, Alaska, and she says that our days are long and summer is short. What kind of protection is out there or needed for double-time daylight? Yeah, so I think that is a really good reason for using a UV light protection mask instead of sunscreen, uh, because when you have sunlight all the time, you basically, no matter when your horse goes out, you'd be reapplying all day long. Um, so UV light protection mask, like I said before, um, it's greater than 90%. Um, there's a bunch of good ones out there online. Um, my favorite is the equine sun visor, um, and that one's 99.5% UV light protection. Okay, and Dr. Sher, we have a related question from Stacy in Dawsonville, Georgia, and she wants to know if there's a sunblock that lasts all day. Yeah, and I wish. I If I could come up with that, I think I'd make a lot of money, uh, both by horse owners and, and people. Um, but no, there's nothing. Even the SPFs that, you know, are as high as you can go, um, all they're doing is blocking out more UV light, but you're still going to have to reapply. And Dr. Sher, we have a question from Lori in Chico, California, and she wants to know if tattooing around the eyes keeps the skin from burning and possibly prevents the horse from getting skin cancer? Yeah, and I get this question a lot. Um, it was definitely more popular, I think, um, in maybe 10 years ago, um, but we still get asked this. Uh, the tattooing process, um, basically they tattoo the eyelids, so you have black eyelids, um, it, just like a few people mentioned their horses have. Um, the problem with that is in order for the tattoo to be permanent, you have to put the tattoo ink in the dermis which is actually underneath the layer where the cancer cells actually occur. So your, your tattoo ink isn't protecting those cells from UV light. Um, it's sitting underneath them. And that's how the tattoo has to be. Otherwise, you'd be repeating the tattoo process, um, you know, every few months. Um, but in Medically, I cannot convince myself that it would do anything to protect those horses from getting cancer. Uh, there's only one study that looked at it, and they had 22 horses that were tattooed. They followed them up over six years. Um, no questions about if they used sun protection in addition to that, and they had two of those 22 horses go on to get cancer. Um, so it's really hard to tell um, if it helped. It probably does not hurt those horses to have it done, um, but it's a pretty big procedure. The horses have to be placed under anesthesia because obviously you're using the tattoo needles really close to the eye. And the procedure is fairly long in order to do both eyes, um, to make both eyelids completely pigmented. Generally, it involves a veterinary team working with a tattoo artist in order to get that procedure done. So if it was something we could do a little bit less invasively, uh, I would maybe be more willing to try, but because of the effort, um, time and money that goes into tattooing the eyelids, I think, you know, you'd have to do some pretty strong convincing to get me on board with that. Okay. 
Dr. Nolan Walston, we have a, a question from our live audience. Uh, Allie wants to know if keeping her pink-skinned horse wrapped up in fly sheets and masks all the time to prevent, to prevent sunburn uh, will cause issues with uh, Vitamin, not the horse not having enough vitamin D. I know that's a big topic in humans these days and doing vitamin D supplements. Do you have any, yeah, any thoughts on absolutely. that? Well, it is. It's a huge deal right now in, in human medicine. I think there's a lot of feeling that we've done such a good job of protecting ourselves with sunscreens and staying out of the sun and wearing long sleeve shirts and hats, things like that, that we're actually seeing some vitamin D related problems. Um, so, of course, the big deficit that you see if you really don't get enough vitamin D is rickets. And rickets is something we think of little Victorian children with bent bones, you know, the little chimney sweeps getting rickets. <laughs> and we don't see that much rickets now in in, in American um, kids, but there are some, some kind of subclinical problems that we see in humans. Um, in horses, I don't think people really looked at vitamin D that much, but I would say that they spend so much more time outside than your average office-bound person who's clapped up in sunscreen. It's not something I worry about that much. So I would say probably as long as your horse is living a normal life, it's going to be getting enough vitamin D. Um, just, a, just a kind of fun aside, though, on rickets and animals. When I worked up in Massachusetts, so much further north than where I am now, Pennsylvania, we used to occasionally see in black pigmented alpaca babies, we would see rickets in the winter. So these little alpaca babies weren't getting enough um, sun, sun rays through their very dark skins, and they were up north so the days of sunlight was less, and we would actually see clinical rickets in them. But that's the only veterinary species I've seen rickets in, is alpacas. Really? That, that's interesting. Um, Dr. Nolan Walston, we have a question from Erin in Michigan, and Erin said that she rescued a horse with an unknown health history. It turns out the horse has liver, liver damage that uh, her vet detected after the mare became covered with lesions caused by photosensitivity. Her question is about the lesions. What's the best way to help them heal? Um, so... Most of the time, really, if you can just keep them clean and um, not infected, that's the biggie. So um, your veterinarian should keep an eye on their signs of infection, like a lot of pus discharged from them or the horse dog developing a fever. It may need to go on systemic antibiotics. But most of the time, just, just basic, basic care, keeping them clean. Uh, deeper wounds, uh, a cream called SSD, silver sulfadiazine, is what's used for burn patients in humans, and I love it. It's available for horses and it comes in little tubs or big tubs, but it's pretty expensive. Um, but I guess what I would say is that in horses with liver disease, photosensitization is one of the last things that happens, and it shows that the liver really isn't able to do any of its liver functions. So I guess I would be really worried about about that horse and what else is going on with its liver disease. And so I think probably the bigger picture is treating the liver disease. The skin will probably take care of itself. Dr. Scher, we have a question from Gala in Texas. And Gala wants to know if sun exposure is related to uveitis in a horse's eyes. And if so, what's the best way to protect a horse from uveitis? She says her white horse has been diagnosed with it and she uses a UV protective fly mask. Okay. Um, uveitis is another one of those diseases that has so many factors going into it that the UV light alone isn't going to cause uveitis, but we know that once a horse has uveitis, that 
eye becomes more sensitive to UV light. So absolutely a good idea to use the UV protection fly mask. Um, with UVitis horses, we want to do everything possible to minimize uh, flare that they could have. Um, so doing that will, will definitely help. And sometimes I think that it can be confusing because uh, UV and UVitis sounds, sounds like UV and ultraviolet. And so that isn't the same route, correct? Yeah, exactly. It it does it does sound similar, and you know it's not wrong that they're connected in some way, but uveitis is actually inflammation of the uvea. The uvea are the brown tissues, well, usually brown tissues inside the eye. You mentioned that your horse has a some some blue, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, the uvea is the actual tissue that becomes inflamed. So the uveitis is simply inflammation of the uvea. Yeah, we call his blue eye his little flare, so <laughs> it makes him fancy. Um, Dr. Nolan Walston, we have a question from Jill in Ohio who has a paint horse who, that has an entirely white face. She says that the horse has started violently tossing its head whenever they ride through the sun. What can I do to stop this behavior? Oh, so this is a really another really interesting aspect of horses and sunlight. So, you know, there are some people out there that are called photic sneezers, right? They go out into bright sunlight and all of a sudden they start sneezing and sneezing and sneezing. I did not know that. <laughs> there you are, yeah. And I'm a photic sneezer. And in fact, if you notice it, you'll you'll realize that you or some of your friends are, that if you, if you walk out into bright sunlight, suddenly you're too. Um, and so horses, of course, don't sneeze. But we think that this sort of head shaking is the horse equivalent of photic sneezing. It's called photic head shaking, photic being a word for light induced. And so um, the horse has a nerve um, that innervates its face called the trigeminal nerve, same as humans. And we believe it's this trigeminal nerve that's getting stimulated for reasons that no one understands by sunlight. And so there are horses for whom when they go out into the sunlight, and they're usually middle-aged geldings, the most common common age and breed, so I'd be interested to know if, if hers is a, a middle-aged gelding. Um, they begin flipping their head um, violently up and down the vertical and often like they have a fly up their nose hmm. and this is really classic for a photic head shaker and so if you bring those horses into a dark indoor often they don't do it um, and sometimes they'll do it even out in the pasture or standing in cross ties if it's sunny and it usually starts kind of in the spring of the year so that's a classic photic head shaker now it can be confused with some other conditions things like tooth root abscesses sinus infections those can cause them too that as this listener is saying this happens when her horse goes out in the sun I would bet my bottom dollar that her horse is a photic head shaker okay. so um, this is one of the most frustrating things for horse owners and veterinarians to deal with and so what we usually recommend is start off with a good exam make sure there's nothing else going on with the horse's teeth or sinuses and then the first and often quite effective technique is to use a nose net and so it turns out that when you put something over the horse's nose, um, it kind of causes a little stimulation of the nose and nostrils. And for some reason, it stops the horse from feeling that weird tickly sensation from their trigeminal nerve being stimulated by sun. Um, some people just use a woman's stocking that's cut off, and they just pull it over their horse's nose and then somehow tuck it in the nose band. Uh, but you can also buy specific nose nets for horses through tax stores and catalogs, so she should look at that. And that works in a little bit under half of these horses with, with sunlight-associated head shaking. Um, if that doesn't work, there are some medications that can be tried. Um, so 
some of the medications that are used for seizures in people. Um, there are some hormone treatments now. And for horses that are really severely affected, there are some surgical treatments as well, but these are really last-ditch things. So sounds like she has a photic head shaker, yeah. and she should either grab one of her stockings from her underwear drawer and pull it over her horse's nose and see how that works, or buy something a little more elegant from the catalog. Interesting. Um, we have a follow-up question, Dr. Nolan Walston, about the vitamin D. Uh, Kimberly is in our live audience and wants to know uh, how you recommend supplementing vitamin D. You know, I, I guess I have to say I don't tend to supplement vitamin D um, for horses. Um, most of the time, if the horses are out for really anywhere between five and eight hours a day, they're going to get plenty. So if your horse is outside in any way, um, that's great. Uh, what I would say is if you have a horse, though, that needs to be, um, needs to be stall kept, then you're probably going to need to consider some vitamin D supplementation for them. Again, good quality feed um, from the feed store is probably going to have plenty of that in there. But you can also use up to about 1,000 international units of vitamin D um, per kilo of, of food for the horses. So, you know, if your horse is having, you know, 20 pounds of, um, 20 kilos of, of hay a day or 15 kilos, that's about 15,000 international units of vitamin D. And you can just buy that from the, um, from the, um, like Walmart pharmacy. Um, we have another question from our live audience, uh, Dr. Nolan Walston. It's from Jen, and she wants to know if there's a link between photosensitization and pastern dermatitis or scratches in horses. Does one cause the other? Well, no. I mean, in the beginning, um, in the beginning, you could perhaps think if your horse has got white legs, it's developing photosensitization. Um, that that's all it is, is scratches, because, you know, again, they sort of come in the same area and um, and can cause similar signs. So I think it's a, an important worry. Um, there are some skin diseases, though, associated with horses um, that you'll see um, a dermatopathy or a skin problem on the front of the cannon bones and white legs, which is sunlight sensitive. And so those horses that just simply have light sensitive white stockings should just go out um, in stable wraps in the day. So if they're going to be turned out during the day, they should have their legs wrapped so they're not exposed to the sun. And if, um, if you can, just turn them out at night. Um, we have a question from our live audience. Stacy said that her horse has respiratory issues uh, and that the fly mask that he wears that covers his nose will get moist and then dirt will build up over his nose in the mask. And she's concerned about this causing further breathing problems for him. Is there a solution that you would offer or should she be concerned about uh, that mask blocking his airway? And Dr. Nolan Walston, I know I know you uh, like to take care of those heavy horses, so <laughs> I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Dr. Cher answer the the uh, mask question because she's the best at masks, but I can offer some opinions on the whole um, airway side of things afterwards. Okay, Dr. Cher. Yeah, so um, I mean, an easy solution would be to have a mask without the nose piece, but I'm guessing the nose piece is on because he has a pink nose, but you can always mix and match. So trying a fly mask 
um, without the nose piece and then some zinc oxide on the nose if she really thinks it's bothering him. If it doesn't seem like it's bothering him, I don't know that I'd be too concerned um, about the nose piece being wet when she takes it off. All right. And where did you say that this um, this cola was from? Um, I don't know that she said because she's from our live audience. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, all I would mention is that um, down south of the Mason-Dixon line, one of the forms of heaves that we see is called summer posture-associated heaves. And so um, for our southerly friends, uh, there are some horses that heave more when they're turned out. And so um, what she should um, think about is that if her horse shows worse respiratory signs during the summer, during turnouts, that might be a case of summer posture-associated heaves. And that horse might do better being stabled during those months of the summer, which is the exact opposite of the advice I give most heaves owners mm -hmm. up here in the north, where turnout uh, puts them in, in pretty much remission from being out of the barn. Yeah. But definitely kills two birds with one stone, sticking them mm -hmm. in a stall during the sunlight. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we are just about out of time, but I, I want to take a moment to ask each of you what you think the most important takeaway is from the evening's discussion. So let's go ahead and start with you, Dr. Shear. What, what do you hope that people uh, take home with them as far as protecting their horses from the sun? Yeah, I think I really just have one main point that if horses have lightly pigmented skin around their eyes, um, please, please, please get a UV light protection mask. There's really no other way to protect them from that. And I see so many horses that with cancer around their eyes that easily could have been prevented, um, but they just didn't know how important it was to protect them uh, from the sun. Okay. And Dr. Nolan Walston? All right, the take-home message I'm going to leave you guys with is that just like humans, horses can get sunburn on their pink areas of skin, especially their nose. But very occasionally, especially if the sunburn is severe and it's on the legs, white legs as well as the nose, it could be a sign of really serious liver disease. And that's something where you should call your vet out immediately if you see something like that, that they can check your horse out and give them good treatment up front and early. Okay. So, uh at the horse, uh, we did an editor's pick of resources. Everyone, if you're listening and you want to learn more about sunburn and photosensitivity, you can go to thehorse.com slash 39182. Again, that's 39182. And there's 10 editor's picks for resources to help you out. Um, well, that, unfortunately, is all the time we have for our discussion tonight. I want to thank uh, you both, Dr. Shear and Dr. Nolan Walston, for joining us. Well, thank you for having well, us. This has been delighted, great. Uh, yeah, delighted to, to chat with your readers and listeners. Uh, I also want to thank our sponsor, Kinetic Vet, who brought the evening to everyone for free this evening, and to everyone who submitted questions during registration and listened live and sent in questions to be part of our conversation. I hope you can join us next month when we are talking about equine internal parasites and deworming and lots of changes that have happened in that area of horse care. Until then, from all of us at the horse, I hope you have a great night.